0: Welcome to The Hook Podcast, Season 2, Episode 4. On this episode, we've got Al and Coops McGlashan, and it's a great episode. Some awesome tales. If you've been following the boys, you'll see that they've been donging some awesome bluefin lately, and uh, they give us the lowdown on how it's all been done. So sit back and enjoy this episode of The Hook Podcast with Coops and Al McGlashan. Just one more. Feel the oh, what a fish. Yeah. All right, so tonight, real special treat. We've got Al McGlashan and Coops McGlashan coming to us live from Sydney, Australia. So uh, welcome to the, the Hook podcast, boys.
1: Bloody awesome, mate. Always a pleasure to be on
0: there. Coops is sitting there all. All quiet. It's in the background. Yeah. Coops is all quiet.
1: Uh, he goes, except it's with you. I'm like, hang on. Come on.
0: Fair enough. So uh, this time last year, Al, I think we caught up. And uh, and Coops, you guys were down here in Victoria, Corona State at the moment. But we'll leave that to the side. Um, down here, uh, publicising the Tuna Champions and uh, Life on the Line. Yeah. And you know what?
1: That's been it was one of those things I always wanted to do because as a kid being an ex-Mexican, luckily I got out of there in time. Yeah, yeah. I never saw a bluefin with my old man. Like, you know, it's like there were never any fish around. And when we started catching them, that whole idea of learning the journey and what happened and how they came back and, and most importantly, what we could learn from that going forward to make sure that our kids see more bluefin in the future. So that doco was sort of, it was driven by passion, I think was the word for it. And to end up having it on IMAX that night was just, yeah.
0: Oh, mate. We mate. So we were one of the lucky lucky few that got to go and see that thing for the first time at the IMAX. And uh, I've got to be honest, mate, for your first doco, I think you did an outstanding job. I've watched it a couple of times since then. And, uh, yeah, I, the footage, everything. I mean, you always go above and beyond with all your underwater stuff and everything that you guys do. But I think for your first doco and promoting, you know, tuna and, and looking after after our tuna and all that sort of stuff, mate, it was an awesome, awesome job.
1: Oh, thanks, mate. And it was just, it was a real, it was just, yeah, as I said, it was a real passion and I so wanted the kids to see because some of the younger blokes these days don't realise that those fish weren't there. And even yeah. down in Victoria, places place like Portland a lot, I remember fishing there as a kid and never seeing a bluefish. We caught bloody barracuda for God's sake. That was it. You know, and now you go down, there's, God, there's millions of bluefin. I sort of get a bit frustrated sometimes that some of the younger generation, you know, they don't clean the fish properly. They leave them half done. And it's like, guys, do you realise they weren't there? Like, it's got better. It hasn't got worse. Because I always say, you know, it was good in the old days. But fishing with bluefin, it's the complete opposite. Now look at, you know, the fish that Cooper's catching.
0: Yeah, well, like, well, what think about those. That's a, that's a good segue into it. So, uh, Coops recently put up a, a post, or you guys put up a post, of a, a monster bluefin. So, Coops, give us, give us a story. you putting your old man to shame.
2: Yeah, well, we'd, um, you know, we'd, we'd head, we headed down to JB. We saw the water. You know, we, we thought it was going to look good. And so we went out. We had Tom down there as well, one of our mates. He brought his boat down. We fished for, I think, the first day we went out, we caught the 40... 40 45, keg, kilo, 45 fish, kilo fish, you know, it was looking good. You know, we were seeing them on top, you know, it was looking really good for us. And then we had a couple with the the next day we went for zeros. Yep. And then the next day Tom, our mate hooked and fought a fish for six hours or something. And then we, we hooked. You hooked the big one. I hooked, right? I hooked another big one, which dad Lost. Hang on, let's, let's <laughs> explain
1: this properly. I'll always take an early gaff shot, right? So whenever we get it up, I'll always have a shot, down straight away. And we had a double on. There are only three of us on board. Coop is fighting his fish. We've got up and had a look at it because quite often Big Bluefin will come and have a look at the boat. And this thing's come up. I've gone, oh, it's a nice fish. She's going to be close to 100. So it's come back up. I've told uh, one of our mates from the Kibliasik, be ready for the second gaff. Yeah. And it's come up. So I'm leading it right-handed. And I've gone with the gaff on the left hand, thought I'll just have a shot anyway, because I'm waiting for him. And I've like, fed it down and gone crack and hit it just a tiny bit far back. And it would have been all right if the second gaff went in, but I've got it started lifting and then gone, oh, sh- this is not good. And the fish wakes up and it's all, it's going up on YouTube next week. And this thing goes absolutely off tap. And I thought I let go of the gaff because I was worried about the gaff <laughs> getting hooked up the gear. But when you see the footage, it looks like I got almost ripped over the side in the water. It's like, oh.
0: I reckon he was trying to I reckon he was trying to stitch you up there, Coops. He's selling it like he, he was I don't I, I know what
2: he's like and I know he's definitely trying to do that.
0: He doesn't want to be outdone by his kid. Man,
2: he was going <laughs> on and
1: on. And then we get it back and the poor thing's still got the gaff. I'm like, oh, this is all right, we'll get it now this time. We've already released Russia's fish. The guy with us already tagged his fish, let that go. Get it back up, get right up beside the boat, right? About to peg it, turn it into you shame in, gets bloody hooks fall out and it swims off. I'm like, oh, and poor old Coops, wait till you see the footage, because <laughs> Devo, like, he's like, well, the first few words are not appropriate for radio, I can tell you. But then it's like that, you know, head in the hands, the whole yeah. thing, which I actually love, because that's that genuine passion that you appreciated
2: that moment. Yeah, it was more difficult to see it swim off with the gaff. Yeah, I'd have been better. all right, you know, if it would, if, you know, if we hadn't had a gaff shot or anything and he was all good to go. But, yeah, seeing that gaff still in him, it hurts to see that fish still off like that. Yeah, he'll probably throw it
1: or he'll get eaten by a shark either way. But for us, it's, you know, and that's the the great thing I love about the next generation is teaching them to appreciate it's not about a photo on Instagram. It's about making sure you can do the best you possibly can. And if you keep the fish, you eat it and utilise it, if you don't, you, you know, you try and do I mean, the same as hunting, same as everything. You know, you, you've got a responsibility to look after that animal and minimise your impact. And if you do, it's taken with respect. So it was yeah. a stuff up on our end, but at the same note, you know, you're never going to be perfect. And uh, there were, we're a patch of killer whale still floating around there. So we might have fed them with that, that bluefin. So they might have had our fresh sashimi, I think, little buggers.
0: Yeah, nice. So And then the, the old, next day. The old, the old gaff shots. Uh, I think everyone's got stories of missed gaff shots or ruined gaff shots, or you know, losing a fish right at the side of the boat because of a gaff shot or anything like that. Jackie, I know exactly what you're talking about with Coop's blowing up and and having it on the <laughs> video because Jackie had been out with us. She well, we yeah she she'd been out with us for a day. Had she hadn't caught a fish for ages, like we'd you know she was working, I was off fishing, and then uh, we finally get her on the boat and. It was just me and her on the boat. She hooks this bluefin, only a little schooly. I get it to the side of the boat and I'm like, oh, yeah. And normally we we tag 99% of our fish. We'll probably only keep one to eat like you guys. And uh, so I'd been used to tagging everything. I was just throwing darts and stuff, you know. It was, it was easy. And then she's like, no, no, I want to keep it. I want to keep it. I'm like, oh, all right, all right, no, problem. So I grabbed the gaff. And uh, I was going for that perfect gaff shot, you know, the one in the head so you don't ruin the meat, all that sort of good stuff. Yes, you do, yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: And uh, grabbed the leader, picked the, the leader up, went with the gaff, turned to look at Jackie, didn't see what I was doing, hit the leader, smashed the, like, broke the leader with the gaff. And Jackie's in the centre of the boat now, so she doesn't see what's going on. And I've got the leader still and I've just looked at her and, I have never heard more foul language coming out of my wife than that time right there. How
1: good are the girls when they get fired up? That's what us blokes for a bit. We get left behind.
0: I was. She didn't speak to me for two hours on the boat. And I mean, it was like... Every time I walked near her, I was like all huddled up, trying to like so I was gonna get whacked or something. I was like, well, lucky, though, lucky, we uh we ended up getting her a fish for the day, so I sort of redeemed myself a bit there. But I know where you're coming from, Coops, with the uh with the blowing up and all that sort of stuff. And I, I feel but the thing is, though, you've got to realize that having
2: a dad like this, you know, he, he loses so many fish for me. You know, I've caught big flatties, you know, he's missed them, you know. He, Hasn't reacted fast no, enough. No, no, we
1: caught your biggest one and I used a Yeti bucket because I've got a net and he's caught this huge fly in the harbour that he's brought up and he goes, oh, Dad, it's a monster. I've looked at yeah, holy crap it is. I've got no net. And so I've got the Yeti bucket we're putting this bloody great 80 centimetre flat in the Yeti bucket, you know. So, yeah, but it was redemption the next day. And you can't say I didn't do really yeah. well the second time round.
2: Well, yeah, the next day we... We're driving out, you know, we got out to get out really early because it was just, it was Saturday, I think, so it was just onto the um, weekend and there were thousands of boats out. Everyone had worked like, out
1: where the fish were because we kept, we hadn't said anything on social. Yep. So we've gone from the good days where you promote it to where now we just, don't say anything until the end of the trip, but they'd started to wake up after about four days where the fish were. And we got down the break. What was it five thirty or something? We're at the boat? Ramp. we got so, we got up
2: at some ridiculous oh. time, like 30.
1: And there's already a queue down there at Jarvis Bay, and we're like, oh bloody! And it's the worst ramp anyway. Apparently they're upgrading, it, thank God down there at Murray's Beach. And yeah, we got out. We ran out to see. And how good was the run out to see? It, oh, it
2: was. It was pitch black, and we're running out at twenty three knots or something without a, without a worry. Yeah, it was awesome. And, and may I say, we were heading out in that time. I was driving. You know, here the we go. It's started straight to the spot. And that I told you to go to. I said, That's the spot. <laughs> you said, I said, is this, is this all good? I want to go back here. And you went, Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's where I directed you to. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. just that's yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. And
1: we get out yeah. there. We had a mate say, Phil, he with all, all the time. A bit of a gun. And we had another bloke with us as well, Glenn, who'd never caught one. We get out and the radio started crackling with a few fish being caught. And he's like, are you sure we're in the right spot? And we went, yeah, yeah, no, we're pretty good here. And like literally two seconds later, it's like the tiger is like ah! And we had a couple on, a couple fell off. We got one for Phil that was, was that 1.76 long?
2: We didn't measure it. Yeah, we did. Oh, you did 1. Yeah, it was, one rough, rough it was just under, so about
1: 180 is about yeah roughly about that 100 kilos, give or take. About 183 normally gets you about the 100 kilo mark. So he was just shy with that one. Yeah. And now, because we do the, you know, we're so, we've learnt from the longliners, everyone how to process a fish. So now when we do it, everything's, you know, as soon as we catch a fish, get the photos, it's bled, it's gilled and gutted, it's iced down, so that we don't lose any quality in the meat at all. Like, so different from the old days. We'd chuck it on the deck and sit there till the end of the day and then bring it home and it tastes like crap. And
0: I actually I actually remember you talking about that in a couple of your podcasts and a couple of times that I've seen you on social media lately and stuff talking about how, you know, things have changed so much from the old days to where we are now. And I, I, I think, you know, touching on that at the moment because you've got coops there, it's awesome that that, like, coops's generation has now seen – the massive shift and in, in some stuff. So I was on a forum uh, the other night about uh, what you call is a, is a caught fish for the Marlin guys when they're, when they're talking charters, tagging, all that sort of stuff. And some guys are saying, once you get the wind on leader on the reel and you break it off, that's a, that's a tagged fish or a caught fish. But the, the massive shift from when you used to just throw everything on the deck, not clean it, just get it on the boat, get blood everywhere, get the rods and everything back in the water and go again to where now people are really weighing up whether they're going to take that one fish. And if they do, you know, have they got the ice on board? Have they got the things on board ready to go to, to look after that fish, whether it's tuna, mahi-mahi, marlin, what, whatever it is, everyone's really, the, the, the shift now has been massive. And it's really good for, for like Koops' generation that that's, that's how they're all going now.
1: And it's a priority that it's, and we did, and it's not that we, we just didn't understand.
0: Like yeah. We
2: just
1: didn't, and it was interesting. I was having a chat with some of the long line, and it's like, oh, we'll do it. And I went, you were showing it by the Japanese. None of us knew how to do it. That's the thing. Yeah. And we now realize that these fish are cooking themselves. I mean, I was brought up, told they were cold-blooded animals. Now they're semi-warm-blooded, you know, that they, endothermic, I think they call it, where they heat themselves up. And, and it's learning that. And even as you're saying with marlin, we now, grab the lead up, and it's designed so when we take a wrap and hold, it snaps off at the hook. Yeah. Which is the best thing for the fish. So yep. the little tiny circle in the corner won't hurt it. If the old days we snap the leader, there's leader in the water and all that, that can be an issue for the fish. But now it's quite interesting because we let a couple of tuna go and some bloke goes, oh, there's a bit of blood that sinks to the bottom. And it's like, that no, it doesn't with yeah. satellite telephone, we know exactly what these fish are doing. And what they do is a lot of fish will actually sink after when you let them go. They don't always swim straight off because they're confused by what's been going on. It's like a dog on a lead. They're being dragged around and then all of a sudden it's let go. So it's like us. We'd stand there going, whoa, what's going on? You know? Yeah. And what we found is particularly with the tuna, is they scoop down, they get down to the thermocline and then they, they balance out. What are they doing? They're cooling
0: down.
1: Yeah. So these guys go and they go, oh, there's, there's a, the fish is bleeding a bit. That it wouldn't survive. Well, Cooper stuck the bloody meat hook at himself the other day and he put more blood out than I've seen out of any tuna and he's still here. And that's <laughs> the thing is that you still get up at the old school, but the great thing is that people are starting to realise and look at it better. And, you know, we had that triple on and Coop should tell his story, but the second one we got up for Phil... So we already had one for Phil. We let, tag that, let it go. And that swam off, beautiful. And then we got back to Cooper's one, which I said, this one looks like it's bigger. And you should have heard these ratchets, the Metallicas and the Tigers were absolutely howling. And one thing before he continues, I should add, is that I brought out the two black magic harnesses, the brand new ones, never been used. They had the plastic on them and everything. I can't go, right, who wants one of these? I give one to Glenn, because he'd never done it before. And I turned around and Cooper turns around, and he goes, Phil, you've already caught one. you better put it on. And so, and a lot of the younger generation don't make, they're like, oh, give it to me. Give it. It's all me, me, me. Yep. And he turned around and came to Phil. So he fought that fish for almost an hour. Mm. The half hour would have been with the harness. Oh, yeah. A good hour. Good
0: hour. Without,
1: without even having the harness, nothing.
0: Yeah, right. Like, you know, Go on, that's, that's committed, Coops. That's,
2: uh... Well, I was the you know, I was cause I when we first had it, you know, cause I, what originally happened is we hadn't even had the full spread out. All three rods went out, went off that we had. I've wound my, my name cause he's fallen off as they usually do. And this fish has hit it at the boat. And the normal big fish thing is to, you know, as with anyone is if you're getting tugged along by something, you don't know, you go up and have, you want to know what's tugging you along. So you go up and have a look at the boat and you know, I'm looking at this fish going, Oh, it's not that big, you know, Phil, take the hardest. you know, this fish should, you know, we'll get this up, and can tag it or something. And um, then I looked at the sounder and it was 10 fathoms deep, so 20 metres deep. You know, and I, was, I was thinking it was a, you know, a 50 kilo fish, you know, an all right one or something. And I went, ooh, it's a, it's a bit bigger.
1: This is the same fish that when he wound his rod in, because he hooked up, screamed off, fell off, and he wound it up, he'd almost put the swivel to the tip. So it's only six foot down to the lure. Yeah. The fish hit it there. And it looked like someone had dropped a bloody Mitsubishi, a Pajero bloody station wagon on top of it. The, like there was a massive explosion. And it went straight, literally came straight to the boat, like it screamed off a bit, then came back. But then when he said that, he goes, oh, it's not that big. And he goes, oh, it's actually a long way down. It's like the fish woke up. And all you hear is you can see it in the video, you're just going, Aah! just screaming off in the distance. And he goes, "Go." Oh, this is a bit bigger than
2: I thought. Just absolutely. It took like I, 500 yeah. metres. Uh, 500, meters. And I, I got to the point where it, took, it, was, it was taking so long and I couldn't stop it. So I just set it on drag and just put it on, put it in between my legs and just sat there on the side of the boat. And this thing's just, just screaming off. I'm watching everyone else, you know, they're getting their fish up. I'm still seeing <laughs> this thing's just taking line. You know, it was, yeah, and then I think we got... Glenn's fish up first, or is it? We got fly? Glenn's fish first, yeah. And then he wanted to keep it, you know, because it's his first bluefin, so we got that in the boat. We got Phil's fish tagged that, and I pinched the because I could, I couldn't lift on my arms. Finally, after. put your the <laughs> on. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, yeah, then got it up. we went sitting there, and you know, because he moved back, you know, to get every, so everyone's in, moved back, you know, they grabbed the leader, and I'm sitting, there, I'm like, I you know, I haven't seen the fish yet. And as soon as they went to pull it in, you know, you usually just pull it up straight from the water, straight from the boat. I'm looking at the fish and I'm like, the head is really big.
1: Yeah, because it and came across
2: at the back, didn't it? It came up the surface. Yeah. And we're like, ooh, definitely 100. Yeah. we going to go 100. You know, and I'm, I'm, and there's three people in the way and three grown men couldn't lift it into the boat. And it got so stuck in the door. It got so stuck in
1: the door. On my boat, I've got yeah. the side door. So we went yeah. to, we pegged it straight away. So he goes, it in the head is always the way because you can lift it and then you're pointing wrong way. And anyway, so we started to lift it. And I'm going, pull, mate, to the others, like pull on the gaff. And he goes, I am. And I look, and it's stuck in the door. We had to like roll a fish a bit to get it through the door. And really? That hasn't happened since I caught my 155 years ago, you know, and I'm like, this is a good fish. And then the others, which we'd call 90 kilos, 85 and 90, I think it was, or 80 and 90 or something yeah. like that. So just shy of the mark. This thing comes in and we've got... It's
2: about twice the size of the other fish we had on deck. Yeah,
1: that tape big, you know, like it
2: was a proper one, you know. And and we, yeah, well, we, sit, we sat there and measured it and it only went 1.91. So we thought, oh, yeah, it'll definitely go to 100, you know, maybe 120 oh, or well something. Done. And then we're sitting there and first thing we've done, we've gaffed, uh, we've processed all the fish down, we've gutted them, got everything out put them straight in the fish bags, filled it with all the ice we had. We didn't actually have enough ice in the end to fill both, fill all three fish. Real, real world problems. Yeah, yeah so Phil, Phil who was in the boat, we had to go to his brother, pinch nearly like three or four bags of ice off then and still didn't even have enough.
1: And the problem was, was that the big one didn't fit any bloody bags. It was too freaking <laughs> big for it. So we're packing like, so what you do is with the tuna is you've got it cause they're endothermic so they're, yep. they're hot. They, they heat up through the guts, So what you got to do is you get the guts out as quick as you can. So we bleed them straight away while we're doing photos. And then you get that guts out as quick as you can. And the key is if you haven't got the ice to do anywhere else, just pack that guts full of ice because that will cool down from the inside out. Yep. And yep. that's where it all was. That, and yeah, I was a bit nervous because then we got back. So we turned around and drove home. So we drove home
2: at what, 9.30 in the morning.
0: So like
1: we had the
0: we had, so I think we fought the fought fish for about two hours. Yeah, and it was it less than fifteen minutes fishing. That was it. Yeah, that's it was that's definitely uh, what memories are made of. Like you'll you'll both remember the day, and you can see how passionate you are about talking about it. So it's definitely it's definitely ingrained. It'll be there for a long time, and I, I can see okay. sitting around sure. campfires out, and uh, these conversations will definitely go down range again. So that's awesome. Yeah.
2: It's something definitely to
0: remember, you
1: yeah. know. It is, and the funny part was that only a week before, when we're chasing the bluefin, we we're fishing out of Aladala instead of JB, we were fishing the exact same grounds when a um a sperm whale pod came up, and where Coops goes, oh, there's whales, there. and we went, oh, there'll be sperm whales yeah, out here. funny
2: looking whales.
1: And I've got a permit to dive in with them, yeah. so I said, we'll get in front. Well, if they're okay, I'll jump in on them. We get in front of them. Coops goes, oh, there's more out to your right there, Dad, and I went, yeah, yeah, cool, and I went. They're not sperm yeah. whales. I, I, I
2: was looking at them like, there's something weird here, you know, because you, you learn to read the fish after a while because, you know, you've got, you got like two sperm whales within 20 metres of each other. Then, you know, you've got about another 100, 300 metres in between the next two or something, you know, and they're all really spread out. And there's this, just this huge wave almost like 10 yeah. metres across. And the thing that I found really weird is because there's like six-foot dorsal fins coming out of the water. and I'm sitting like, ooh. They're, 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 they're a good type, they're a cool looking type of whale. And I I hadn't I seen killer whales at that point, you know? And oh, these things have just come charging. Oh, in. straight in on them, eh? And it was, you know, we're sitting there going, ooh, you know, this, this is gonna go, you know? I got my dive gear on, I'm ready for the plunge. <laughs> and they had to go at one point, and I think we came in a bit too close, so there's no, another boat another bike, other bike yeah. came in a bit too close on them. You know, all good. And so they went, and they were really finicky with the boat, you know, if we, if they, if we came up too close well, to they, trying to get a front or something. Back. It was
1: really weird. They wouldn't let us near them at all. They were not interested in us. So so went, as soon as we saw them and said, oh, don't worry about them. We'll wander over and have a look at these killers and see if we can do some ID checks on them and all that sort of stuff. And as soon as we went near them, they vanished. And we'd sitting there for about, what, 20 minutes went, oh, yeah. they must have gone. And it's flat. So it's like, hey, you hide? It's dead flat. So right we now. started heading north again to have a look up the hill a bit. And as we troll up the hill a bit, Keeps goes, Oh, a sperm whale in front of us there. Oh, with a calf. And I go, Imagine if they found that. And literally, <laughs> as as they pop up the other side of our boat. And Keeps goes, Yeah, right behind us, stand. I'm like, Oh, try and get a photo. And then the next thing, they're in on top of this um, sperm whale.
2: And we, we're racing we saw, in. We saw them. So I, we were sitting here and I'd I've, I've seen them. And I went, Oh, you know, there's. And then I went, Because I thought there was a calf sitting behind one of the sperm whales. I went, that's, that's not that sperm whale's calf, that's a killer whale's calf. Cause they had helly- they had, had three or in. four small ones that were younger yeah, right. ones. Are, and it was just cause you've just got these like three little ones charging in, and then you've got the big ones behind them coming in on this. And I went, Ooh, dad, they go in here. And he went, what? And he, you know, I'm looking old, at the back for him
1: still going, I can't see him. He goes, no, they're on the sperm whales yeah, already. And, but
2: being the old man years, you know, he can't see them. You know, if have to get a bit closer. I did get my wheelchair, <laughs> I had to turn it around <laughs> slowly in the back. And we've seen them and we went, ooh. You know, and then all of a sudden we've just seen this sperm whale roll on top of this calf and acres of blood. Like, I've never seen so much blood in my life. And that was it though. That, that, that just disappeared then. We, did, then, we did not yeah, see what? another killer whale.
1: There's blood everywhere. There's no the sperm whale pup. Then Coops is, I'm trying to get photos, going, get you closer. And I'm going, where's the bloody, where's the calf? Like I thought they'd, it would sit on top of the mum and they'd flog it and, and hammer it. No, none of that at all. And the next thing, Coops goes, oh, shoot, Dad, look in front of us. And the sperm whale's coming flat stick at the boat. You can see it on YouTube now. They all came charging
2: in and parked up all on top of us. Yeah, we were, well, because we, you know. All I was on the wheel there because you yeah. know, we're trying to get shots and all that, so we put Dad down, down the back, and I'm constantly looking, you know, making sure I'm, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a safe yeah. distance from the whales, you know, I'm not you know, I'm not interfering with them or anything, and I'm he
1: couldn't you know, go I'm, anywhere, got yeah. stuck, he goes goes, but I can't
2: move. I'm looking at, it, I'm like another whale there, and you know, because you, you see the spurts of water, yeah. on the spouts, and this thing's like two miles away from us, you know, and I've only just caught a glimpse of the black, and mm-hmm. I went to and then I've sent another one off in the other direction. I went, they're all heading towards you. And I was thinking, you know, never seen, never seen, seen like you know. And all of a sudden, you know, we had, they had sort of like a structure to them. You know, they put all the calves in the middle. The females surrounded them. And we had the two bulls on the outside. And we're sitting there they're sitting right on us. And one of the bulls, one of the big bulls on the right outside, the turns, stops, disappears for a couple of seconds and then pops back up coming towards us. And he's like, he's only a couple metres in front of us. And I'm sitting there to dad, and I've, t- I've turned the wheel because he cut- he's beelined at us. And dad's, you know, going, What are you doing? And oh, all of a sudden, he's looked out the front and went, Oh. And there's, you know, he was having, it's there's insane. a sperm whale, they're having to go at us. And it's weird that the start, we didn't realize that they were having to go, like whether they were
1: trying to use us as protection, whether it was like you could use the greedy thing that they were protecting us, or if they just, we just happened to be where they all stacked up because. There were no more killers. We, there was no sign of
2: anything. Else. Not, it was really weird because after the attack, acres of blood, but we were, we were, you know, we were watching, you know, making sure that there's nothing else coming in or anything so we could just, you know, leave nature, do nature. And the big bull just, one of the big bull walkers just left. And yeah, we just north. sent him up north. while you got all the yeah. other orcas,
1: Presumably, eating the... Do eating exactly. the the tongue and the bloody lower, you know, the lower jaw. I don't know. so awesome.
0: they, they actually it? they actually killed it, like proper kill. Oh it. my god! No, they there had was to. so much
1: blood. I'm something never died. Like, it was, but I was speaking to the expert, and they said quite often it sinks after that. Yeah. Okay. So you know, I thought it would float, but now they said no. Quite often, you expect so they to see the
2: orcas come back up though, you know, and continue up for because they they do they probably follow this sort of sperm whale yeah. up, maybe up the coast or something. But it no, it's was just weird. weird. And the funny thing is when we were bluefin fishing, the day that we got the um, big fish, there was actually someone on the radio saying that there was a pack of killer whales, so
1: the same straight on the exact same spot. Inside well, the um,
0: the killer whales, I don't know if you've been watching, like I, I, I'm right into my sharks, love the great whites. I don't know what it is. Like, you know, I seen one when I was probably your age, Coops. Uh, we actually caught one over at Bermagui, the old man did. And uh, we were fishing a tournament, hung it up, blah, blah. Anyway... The, um, but the killer whales have been hunting all the great whites over in South Africa. So the, the air jaws, I don't know if you've seen the doco and yeah. all that sort of stuff. So all the great whites that were part of that documentary and stuff like that are all being killed off by these two orcas. They're called um, left and right. And their fins are at the top hunched over one to the left and one to the right. And as soon as they come into, into the bay where it is in South Africa there, the great whites vanish. They're, they're yeah. not seen. And then a couple of days later, they've been getting great white carcasses. Like, I mean, you know, we're talking one, two ton worth of carcass, big, great whites washing up on the shore. And there's a surgical precision cut under their pectoral fin, where the orcas are hitting them, ripping their pectoral fin out and getting their bladder. Um, their, I think it's the the liver. Liver. The 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 liver. liver, sorry. Yeah, yeah. their liver. And that's it. That's all they're taking out of them. That's it, done. It's
1: bizarre. And I was talking to Chris Fallows over there a while ago, about He said, oh, mate, it's gone from where I've got this great business to where this truck's gone. Yeah.
0: So he was he was actually part of the docker, actually, Chris, and talking yeah. about it and all that sort of stuff. And I found it really interesting. And then, obviously, you guys seeing it down here, um, we've had them. We had the orcas two years ago out off Port Ferry. We are down there oh. chasing the tuna. And they were cruising around down there. And we had a southern uh, right whale down there as well. Yeah. And um, they were sort of side by side, just cruising along, doing their thing. And, that you know, that nothing like what you guys had. But, yeah, it was really interesting seeing the interaction and how it all works. And, you know, the stuff that you don't see sitting behind your desk at work and, and things like that. So it's pretty cool.
1: You've got to be outdoors. And it seems to be so, you know, you don't get the numbers like we used to out there. It seems like there's more because more people know where to go. So they're very quick to find out where the fish were in the old days as people just drive around now with gps and social media you're on every bite very quickly
0: so with with that like another another good point there how so i know you guys do a fair bit on social media everyone that follows us will know that and you guys i know al you're really proactive with all the, the fishing sites you know newspapers all that sort of stuff so we spoke about this in another episode with someone else but the, the network now of having that good information, be unable to chase the bite if that's what you're going for and that's what you're going to do. Are you guys using a lot of that or are you looking at charts and sort of making your own mind up or have you got some key individuals that you'll ring and say, hey, what's, what's the go, mate? Is this legit or are we we're not bothering?
1: Yeah, so we normally have, and it, it's, a, it's a mix of commercial and recreational and scientists as well, I suppose you could say, up and down the coast that we know who's fishing where. So you've got that really, the key is that up-to-date. What often happens with social is by the time it gets up on social, it's a day late. And particularly for bluefin up here is a classic example, if you're not on, on the day, they're moving. Yep. So you're literally day behind. So we do that, like we've, we've worked particularly through the docket all that, worked in with a lot more with the commercials, trying to get all the groups to work together to share information in a better way. And we're very, you know, very keen on who's catching fish where, what the water's doing, what the direction the current's going, um, and all those sort of things, and very heavily on the SSTs.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Chart of cloud mass, but obviously you won't see a chart now for a week with this the cloud up here and that that low pressure system out there, yeah. you know, east is low. So you've got to do a bit of guesswork. So. I know when the long liners will go out, I'll get some reports from them on who's catching what and where and, but yeah. And social media still plays role. Well. I've still had the old time where I looked and go, oh shit, there's fish there, I haven't picked that. Because that's the thing, people go, oh, I read the charts and I went to the spot That's where the fish were, it's like, no. The charts, the SSTs would tell you a general area. They can never be specific because the water's yep. fluid changes. Yeah. So they go. I had a guy ages ago, they said, oh, I went to the mark you told me and I caught the fish. They were like 100 metres off your mark. And I'm going, what do you mean off my mark? And they went, oh, the marks you gave us. I went, no, that's an area. That's not a spot. Yeah. There's no spot. And they went, oh, we thought it was weird we didn't catch it on the mark. I'm going, oh, my God, no, no, no. That's not how it works. That's When you're there, you're looking at the water. You're looking at the, you know, the speed, the current, the direction, what birds are there, what the water colour is. Is there any... Um, what life is in the water or the sower is there, what type of birds are on it. All these things will tell you, you yeah. know, little signs. You just go, oh, it's a bit of that, yeah. The bluefin, it was interesting, this trip was smashing on top and they looked like those big Atlantic bluefin, you know, massive explosions, mm-hmm. but there'd be one or two
2: and that's it. Yeah, and, just, it looked like there's been a bit of car dropped in the water. Yeah. I thought we saw, I think on the day that we got, we had rush on board, so we got the two fish and you lost it. No, I didn't lose it.
1: I, you didn't wind it up quick <laughs> enough.
2: We were um, we're driving, and you know, I've jumped up on the side just to get a better view, and I went, I've almost called out, "Oh, there's a whale on the bow," but it was it was, it was two of these tuna jumping, and it was like I honestly thought it was a whale, and it yes. was just they're insane.
0: So how how are you going, Coops? With the with the reading the water and all that, is the old man passing a lot of stuff on to you? Are you are you getting with the, the charts?
2: Yeah, i have You know, having a dad that does it a lot, you know, and he's learned through trial and error does help a lot. And it's I find that it's just doing it more, you know, getting out and you know learning, you know, reading the signs, you know, watching birds. So if you see a gannet or something, learn to watch them because they're the more proactive hunters that'll find the bluefin if, compared to other birds, you know, and it's just trying to, I mean. Identifying different
1: birds. It's looking yeah. at the water. It's all these things. And the good thing with Coops, he's got exceptional eyesight. So he goes, there's two gannets. A classic example that happened where we were sword fishing probably a month ago now, a month oh, ago. Coops yeah. there and we're sword fishing out in 300 Fathoms. He goes, dad, those gannets are stacking up there a bit. I'm like, the water is filthy green. Like you wouldn't catch a bloody Murray cod in this stuff. And he's going, no, 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 it's, they're stacking up,
2: have a look at it. I went, yeah, whatever. You can tell with them because the gannets do the circle. So yep. they usually fly up really high so they can see. And as soon as they're on fishing with most birds, they'll usually circle. And so I'm I'm, I'm always watching to see. And I've seen these two gannets about half an hour before. And I'm saying, mm. oh, that, you know, there's, there's fish there, you know, because they're doing sort of, just circle, mm-hmm. move on a little bit, circle. So they're obviously following something because, you know, as, yeah. if you're looking for food, you don't circle back to where you've already looked. And we're sitting there and I'm like, you know, there might be fishing there. Obviously we've got lines down 600 metres deep, so we can't move over to have a look. So I'm just sitting there, you know, ready. And our mate Jim, who was on board goes, oh, there's Sari's jumping straight towards us behind the boat. You know, and um, one of our mates, Sean Teak, has given us, had, gave me a few stick baits. So of course I've rigged them all up, you know, I want to give them a go. And so I went, oh, yeah, so I've, I've cast it. I've done one abysmal cast, like really bad. And then I've got, the, then I've got a decent one, yeah. decent one, you know, and I'm getting excited, you know, because as soon as I've cast, you know, these, these flying fish and souris have jumped straight past it. And I went a bit too fast and Jim, who does it a lot more than me, said, just slow it down. And I slowed it down and this yellowfin has just jumped out of the water, smashed it. And I ran it straight to the boat and got it capped within about three seconds. It didn't even flinch, <laughs>
1: didn't even know what was going on. I've taken an early shot as I do as it went past and just pegged it. But the key is there's two elements that One, coops off his own back at the stick bait ready to go. Not like, oh, there's fish over there. Now, where's my stick baits? They're up the front on the left-hand side. I'll go tie a leader on there. It's already picked up, ready to cast. But on top of that, he spotted the birds so that before he happened he's already to he's already watching to see and that's a big thing
0: yeah you and i spoke about that last year when we did the podcast about you know the one percenters having things ready you know going out with crews where you'll get out there and they you get out on the grounds and you're ready to fish but they're still rigging stuff and doing things whereas the proactive guys the the crews that are I won't say professional, but switched. Uh, uh, switched will have all the gear ready. They'll load it in the boat or have it ready before you pull off the trailer. And even while you're running out there, worst case, guys are down there rigging gear and you've got multiple options stacked up, ready to go. So when you do come across that, like, like Coop scene, he's got the gear they're ready to run. You know, he's, it's, it's not sitting around and missing those, those opportunities. You know, yeah, sorry. A classic example is we,
2: we do a lot of, you know, if the weather's rough or something, we're under the harbor, you know, do a flighty fish, look for a few kings. And we had them, um, where was it? Oh, somewhere, you know, um, up oh, the river. Yeah. I, I hooked a kingy on this um, rod and it's got me in the reef a little bit and it's sort of chafed the line a lot. And I've sat there and went, oh, no, it'll be fine, you know, we'll be all good. And we found them again. And only Kingy, I think we hooked that day because it was the day before that it happened. The only Kingy that we hooked that day, I hooked on that rod and busted him off within about two seconds, you know. And Kingy fishing now in Sydney isn't what it used to be from what I hear. And, you know, even catching monkeys, they awesome for me. I, know, I, I love been the fish. you it, yeah. You know, and if I, had, if I had had that rod prepped, you know, we would have caught that Kingy, you know. But it's just being ready, you know, because you it. never know what's going to happen. You know, you're you sword fishing, you don't expect to be catching tuna. You know, it's just being ready for everything. And
1: it's fishing's about maximising on opportunities and you don't always know. Even though you go dedicated to one style of opportunity, you don't always know what's going to come up. So you need to be ready and flexible enough to change. So when we're bluefin fishing, we've got a couple of Stellas sitting on, up in the rocket launcher ready to queue. So because yep. we're trying to get the fish up to get them on the cube so we can film them, but they're sitting there ready to go, all rigged and ready to go. We've got a stick bait ready to go, and we have a spare outfit in case we have a bust off or something. That yep. the gear is back out immediately because if you're not fishing, you're not catching. Yeah, and we've had we've had some shock and tangles over the years. As soon as you're untangling, you're not fishing. No, you know, the gear's not the water, and I'm worse, I've had fish eat it while you're untangling it, and that's not a good thing. You know, so. We're trying to, our theory is the minute we start, so when Coops was driving in on those, when we were bluefin fishing the other day, because he was at the wheel, he said, "Radio, coming up five minutes. So he'll start slowing down. The riggers will go down. The long, the, you know, usually a laser pro will be right down the back as a shotgun straight away. So the gear sets, as soon as he's pulled off, the gear's already in the water. So you're not wasting a second, because every second counts, particularly during the winter where, you know, we're going at five o'clock in the morning to try and get there on daylight. And then you, you know, you finish finished by four o'clock, five o'clock at the very latest, pitch black again. It's yeah. all over. So no, you've got a lot of being,
2: time. being proactive with the gears, they like always checking it. And Running your like fingers even, over it, yeah. Even, because, um, you know, all the leader in the brain, you know, mostly leader, it's, it's stretching, almost, you know, putting a lot of pressure on, it, it'll stretch out. And after fighting the fish for an hour, or as our um, mate Tom saw when he fought the fish for six hours it's because that line's tense so much; it's stretching. It's
1: a rubber band.
2: Yeah, it. Uh, you know, it, it'll hit something. You know, I might hit a bit of weed in the water, yeah. and I don't think people realise, but that will do a lot of damage. You know. Yeah. And
1: uh, if people don't check you're... their line enough. Like for us, so after this week, we're stripping all the lines and putting fresh stuff on everything. And so back- you got?
0: Are you guys running top shots?
1: Yeah. So we backspool with that um eight three two suffix Bray. Yep. And then we top shot it with. So at the moment, we've got a mix of gear that some have got 80-pound mono on and some they have got 130-pound uh, top shots for sword fishing.
0: Yeah. So we've got a
1: mix of gear there at the moment. And the braid you don't need to worry about, but the top shots are checking. Each time the guys are letting out, they're checking, particularly with these bluefin because there's such big schools that other fish are hitting the line. You get bust-offs where you see they're going, what the hell was that? When I've been in the water with them, I've realised that it's all because they're bloody all their mates are chasing them trying to eat the lure, and of course the line's leading up behind. They're running in the line, they're nipping the swivel, they're bumping it, you know.
0: So we've we've noticed that a fair bit this year. Um, one of the, one of the goals this year, before Corona and everything, was we were fishing for an Australian record for Jackie, so four four kilo uh, chasing bluefin, so the Australian four kilo record, and uh, our last trip. We lost a lot of fish because obviously they are a school fish, but because you're fishing such light line, it only takes one of those fish just to nick the line and that's it. You're done. Like it's over.
1: Just and touch that, it and it's done and dusted.
0: Yeah. So you're 100% right with gear checking, you know, the one percenters. The one percenters are what make everything a good day or a bad day.
1: And yeah. close enough is never good enough. Oh, that'll do.
0: Because
1: one time you get that one mass fish... There was a bloke there the other day going, I can't believe you only fish 80. And I went, I'm not interested in small fish. I just want that monster. And like the one we caught years ago down Victoria, that went 155, brand new line, brand new everything on there. So I could fish the gear to the, yeah, it was only 24, but you could fish it as heavy as you could. I've had mates that bring their gear out and I go, don't put it on the boat. They're like, what do you mean? I said, when did you change the line? It's brand new. When did you put the line on the reel? Oh, last year or the year before, right? Rip it off, throw it away, and put fresh stuff on.
0: Mate, oh, no, <laughs> you—it's no, so, so <laughs> funny that you bring that up because so we're, like as a kid and coops, you know, I've been in your position, mate. I'm like I see so much of me and you right now, sitting next to your old <laughs> man there, telling these war stories and everything about fighting these fish. But um, we, you know, as a kid, I grew up fishing just like you and using Shimano gear, always Shimano gear. Uh, and I, that's all I have on the boat. You know, we, we, are not sponsored by Shimano. So it's not a plug for Shimano. It's just, if I'm going to spend my hard earned money, I want to buy the best gear. And as a kid, I was always told that's it. And, and today I, I stand behind that. So we've, we've spent a lot of money on our Shimano gear, just like you guys. And I've had mates that have come on out, like so. We've just bought our new boat and all that sort of stuff. And dudes get on the boat and they're like, "Oh, bring bring my rod." And I'm like, "Mate, we're, we're going marlin fishing. What are you bringing? Oh, I'm bringing bringing a new Shimano. Oh, yeah, how new is it? Oh, I, I got it three seasons ago. Okay, mm-hmm. have you used it? Oh yeah yeah, we were down chasing flathead and everything with it. And you're like,
1: leave it behind,
0: mate. Don't 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 even bother. Don't just don't even bother. And they, they look at you real weird and then they get on the boat. All our reels are numbered. They've got set places where they go in the spread, you know, short corner, long corner, long rigger, short rig, all, all the spots. And they get on the boat and they're like, oh, all right. It's all brand new. And I'm like, yeah, mate, because I know how much fuel we're burning chasing these fish. You spend
1: all that time and money and in the, the boat and everything else. And then they're too skimpy to put new on. Same when they go, oh, we won't need to take that much ice or we won't clean the fish. I'm going, you went to all this effort. Surely you want to take home the best eating fish like this tuna we had. We were worried we couldn't get enough ice for
2: it. And I mean, we ended
1: up buying 16 bags or yeah, something and just we bought, covered we bought, we the bought,
2: back of the boat with it just to keep it on the way home. We bought like $60 worth of ice just, yeah. just to make sure it was good. Yeah. But I don't think people realise as well, with all the gear, you know, one little, like, in... You're only as strong one, as your
1: weakest point. That's
2: yeah, it. It. one little like nick in the line, you know, something wrong with the reel, you know, nothing they realize. But if you hook a big fish, you know, if you're marlin fish, you know, you hook a big shark or you know a really big marlin or something, you never know what's going to go on, you know, and you never know what's going to happen because you know we would we could you, you could never know what's that's the beauty of fishing is because you never know if you're going to go out you never know if you're going to catch the biggest brim of your life the biggest tuna of your life you know you never know because. It's, it's, Every day could be the best It's almost time. like putting your head in a mystery box, you know? Yeah. You never know what's going to come out. And you've got to be ready to, for everything, you know? Because it's, you can never tell what you're going to get. It's so, like,
1: that's what I love about it. Like the other day where it was that once in a lifetime, that, it, you know, that insanely awesome day. And especially seeing a young fella catch it, you know, I wish his brother was there for it to see it as well because... Like you're saying before, my old man, he taught me how to do it. <clears throat> and he was a bit, well, let's just say a bit harder on it the way he did it. Like, I remember he gave me a 22 and said, there you go, bugger off. If you don't shoot, sonny, you don't get fed tonight. I'm like, oh, what, what do I do with the gun? He goes, don't point at thing you don't want to shoot. I'm like, all right, <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks, Dad. He goes, better shoot, sonny. He went off and shot a bloody pig with the damn thing. He came back and go, Dad, I got a pig. And he's going, bullshit. No, no, I got one and to go and get a pig, he goes, all right, you're getting fed tonight That you did bloody well. But with Coops and, you know, and his brother that, showing him with diving and all the stuff and showing him how to appreciate so that they're better at it, so that they're better custodians than we were and going forward that they'll even be better and that they'll teach it more and more. And that the balance, you don't get those guys that are, oh, I only let Marlon go, I don't kill him, but I'll kill a, a 30-year-old snapper and then tell someone off for killing a swordfish or something. You go, that's, hang on, uh, you don't understand what you're doing. You don't understand. They did yeah, it with my swordfish I had. I mean, they, these dickheads, not greenies, fishermen were carrying on. And they've all got these 30 year old snapper and go, this fish is eight years old, nine years, I mean, nine years old. We ate the whole thing. You're killing a 35 year old snapper. And only because it's not a big fish or as big that you justify. I'm like,
2: they don't realize that the science fund, you know, because you see what his fish was a 224 kilo swordfish, you know, this is an insanely big fish, you know. And it took us—it took four or five grown men an hour to get into the boat, you know. Yep. So it's a proper fish. They don't realize that, some, you know. And I mean, some of them might, but they don't really realize the science. Some fish grow quicker than others, you know. Yeah. And I think that just came out recently. Makos are really slow-growing. Sh- slow-growing. Yeah. Slow growing you know, so you might kill a hundred kilo mako shark, and it—you know—it could be a couple of years old or something, you know. And it's. You, or it could be yes. several. The problem we found with what they think with Makos now is they're
1: bloody it could be twenty years before they're they're, they're mature for spawning and stuff. And all of a sudden you're going and they die at 30 years. It's all of a sudden and they do eighteen months gestation, eighteen months layover, and then do it again. So realistic, they might even spawn three times. Now I love eating makos, but all of a sudden I'm like, Well, I don't know if I should be doing that, you know. Well we're
0: but the we're the same. Cost. We love we love the Makos. The Makos are and they're same they're awesome in the water, as you know. So, um, but yeah, they I know what you're saying. It's people, I suppose, are a little bit naive, and you watch some of the forums. I've been obviously being in lockdown and stuff like that at the moment. We we've, we've been watching, or I've been doing a lot of surfing, watching the internet stuff and all the different chat rooms and seeing what people are talking about and things like that. And you just you sit back and shake your head, and it's, it's disappointing that a lot of it's fishermen, other fishermen. that They just don't understand.
1: I remember, the worst. I remember my mate, Richie Abello really good at big fish down there, and he said, oh, Al, if there's one thing I've learned, he goes, if you want hate on Facebook, catch a big fish. And I went, yeah, you're dead right. And the thing is, it's not the bloody greenies. It's jealous fishermen. Yeah, That's what it is. It's not even... I just sit there and... Hey, we let uh, we showed letting a bluefin go the other day, and this bloke goes, that's a disgrace you shouldn't encourage. I fish with respect. I kill everything I catch.
0: Yeah, that works.
1: <laughs> that's the science. It. Oh, there was some bloke we've, on Facebook. Yeah. And it's just like, mate, this is we know what they're living because we've been putting um, satellite tags in them. We're now trying to learn what they do. If we don't, putting it in the sand, pretending oh, that you know, the other countries get it, they're so dumb. If they look on marine traffic, just have a look along our two hundred nautical mile border
2: and see how many boats are sitting on there. Like yeah, well you know if you kill, you can kill you know you can kill a couple of fish, but you got to utilize that fish. You know, All of it. You know, and even you can. We had our the frame today from that big tuna. You know, we've cut everything off. We've got the um the offcuts. We. I well, made a pizza
1: tonight with off cuts, so There was
2: nothing left on this fish, you know, and we were planning to use it for shark bait to get shark off of browns or something and get footage of it. But, but you know, it's, it's too, too big, big for the bloody
1: freezers. <laughs> we can't fit it anywhere. So. so
2: we've we've ended up, you know, we've gone off and we've thrown it down for the crabs and you know all that to eat. So they've got food for probably about the next four years. But well, the thing is, that, we want, We won't, You know, if we get another, you know, we if we go if we get another chance to go bluefin fishing, we might let the next ten fish go. You know, for. And, we find a thing, you know, if we, don't, if we kill one fish, we might let the next three go, you yeah. know, because it's, it's the thing about having respect for the fish because you've got to realise it's a life in the yeah, end. Yeah, well,
0: that's, that's it. And there's only so much you can eat and freeze. Like, and and,
2: and I, some people I've found have the attitude, you know, oh, it's just, you know, it's just one fish, you know. But if you kill more than one fish, you know, then if another person has that attitude, you know, and it's a sort of chain yeah. reaction where, it's my, yeah, yeah. new. it's my right and to go you, and kill you it. Like, no, we've got, uh, the lot of people fish in Australia. You think, you know, for every boat that's one fish, you know, it, it adds up to a big number, but if you're utilising it, you know, and you're having, showing respect for the fish and then later on, you know, you might catch another bluefin, you know, but you yeah. let that fi- bluefin go and you tag it, you know, so we can learn more about the fish. So if, as we saw with the bluefin, if their population does decrease, we have... Something knowledge to good. know you know where they breed to help them you know and to stop you know to, to do something about it to do something and help them along
0: I but think it's... I think is a one hundred percent right like you know we've been fishing down at Port ferry Portland for the last four years pretty solid now and the last trip that we had down there um, we tagged thirty thirty nine fish and like i said're we were, we we're fishing for records so we're fishing light stuff but we were getting the fish in the boat. They were in good nick and you could see them. They'd swim off straight away. There wasn't any issue with it. But then when we come in that night, there was a couple of trailer boats that come in and they had they had what they're entitled to take. So they weren't over quote or anything like that. They, you know, the, Every person on the boat had their two, two bluefin. The next day when we went out, we obviously tag and fish again. We come back in that night, the same boat comes in and they've all got fish again.
1: And you're like, well, and they're not bled, they're not gilded, and ice. They're sitting on the deck. Yep. And it's just um, like, well, what's it's, the point? It's like knowledge. And you can't. So when we killed this fish, we came straight in and came straight home that night because we didn't have the facilities down there to look after it down at JB. Got it. We got the fillets. We put it straight into the biggest um, fish bag we've got. <laughs> we still didn't fit we still didn't fit it was still as an Still did it properly. Filled it with ice. Left it for a day to to set the meat down. And then have spent. I've still got the last bits to process now, and that is now what are we Thursday five, now, yeah. and we caught the fish days, on Saturday. Five days or something, and yeah, we're still processing. But that fish is so good that the ones we caught last year, because the key with tuna is you must process
2: it within that you know the first few minutes to get that heat. As down. soon as I got the fish up, I had the I, I almost had the knife straight in my hands. Yeah, ready to get, ready ready to get it down because I don't even, you know with those bigger fish, you know they get the more fat fat content so that better eating, I'm not gonna give up a bit of bluefin. No. I that's too good to give up. You know, I mean, some people you know, oh you know, I want to get you know, I want to get the proper weighting, you know, but in the end, if I can eat the thing, I don't care. You do it like they do it <laughs> you know?
1: like you add the I think it's I think it's actually up to twelve percent or something now, but you add 10% to it for your gills and guts and bleeding. So this fish went 122, 123. At 10 percent, it's 134 or whatever, 135. Just, you know, just, who cares? Like, and it's all perfect and it's the best. I took it into work, gave it to some of the guys. There, and they were going, "Oh my God, this is insane."
0: This is the best. I thought you're at work fishing. We're working.
1: Well, maybe going to the office. That they gave me a desk. Apparently, I've never used it, so I've never even seen it. I'm never going to go to the desk. They won't give me part. They don't trust me to go in on my own.
0: This, this time last year, we had a chat and then, uh, you know, we spoke about the, the Bluefin doco and, and everything there and you sort of alluded to doing a Marlin one. Are, we, are you still on with that? What's the... Where- well, it
1: was looking good and then these bloody China gave us Corona and it has shut everything down big time. It's, yeah, it's given us a real hard time from this. So, we're building on the funding, everything was looking good and then it just stopped dead in the tracks.
0: Yeah, okay. So, yeah, we,
1: we were actually sitting very much in limbo We'll Probably start the show again, but every time we try and do something, you can't go, you know, Victoria shut down or Queensland won't let you in. We we're meant to be in Western Australia, can't do that. It's really curtailed us. Stopped everyone you know, It's yeah, it's just been,
2: I suppose, it's just one of those things you have to get through.
1: You know? it's just, just what just, it is, you can't do anything about it. So, you know, we've just been fishing every day anyway, so it's been yeah. great for that side, and because he doesn't have school sport. On Saturday, so we can fish weekends because normally now the poor buggers have sport on bloody the weekend as well. It's like, oh, you know, I want to go fishing, not all these damn things. I don't want to go and play footy. I want to go and catch
0: fish. Yeah, well, at least, at least you guys have got that luxury at the moment. We, uh, we, don't, we don't have that. We're, so, and it looks yeah, like it's going to get a bit worse. So. Yeah, they might
1: have the doctor get rid of that Premier down there. He's done a, When he banned fishing the first time round, and then let them go and play golf and surf. And of course, go to Bunnings, which is packed every weekend.
2: I just went, like yeah. that. He needs a, he needs a to really yeah. clip across the ears, that fella. Like. Your brother was going insane. His um, dad's brother is um, yeah. down in Victoria as well, and he has a lot of white whiting fishing. You, know? you can't, even, can't even go down to the beach for a walk, you know, where there's like not one person on the beach. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, it was what was the
1: one they booked someone because they put photos up on Facebook for their holiday for the year before and they got booked for it was on the news up here yeah. making a joke about the coppers down there how like it was becoming a
0: don't, don't believe everything <laughs> <laughs> oh, was, I said,
1: you see. Oh no, I sent a few texts to my mates of the coppers down there going, What are you doing? You're becoming you're becoming social media police or something. he goes, Don't want to talk about it.
0: <laughs> so so of the subject, we'll get away from the politics side of the house. So <laughs> coops. What's the, uh, what's the plan from here? I know you've, you've got your grand slam. I know you've, uh, you've done that really quick. I'll I'll be lying if I said I wasn't a bit jealous, but anyway, um, so you, you've gone and done that. You've, you've started helping the old man with the TV show. You're probably a lot better looking than him and, and getting your face out there a bit more. So what's the, what's the dream fish at the moment? What are you sort of chasing mate? What's the, what's the go-to?
2: Well, at the moment, you know, after that bluefin and all that, that bluefin was a big one that I wanted to get. You know, after putting those days, and we, I think we put in six days,
0: but you know, that not that many. Days Only six before. days
1: to kill. Well, no, six days. Oh, uh, no. yeah.
0: So just I'll, I'll I'll stop you right there, mate. Because I spent <laughs> three years. I spent three years trying to get a a, a barrel. And I, I finally I'm did it. Saying,
2: you know, after losing that 100-kilo fish, you know, and all oh, the things, day before. The
1: other, it's like, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. The day, day was, before? No, that's it the wrong way. but it's. <laughs> It'd like be so tough for some, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah, you know. No, I think at the moment, you know, I'd love to go catch a sailfish and all that, but I think just at the moment. They won't well, the Queensland. We've got to wait yeah, a little longer.
0: There's no real target fish then. Nothing, nothing, like, nothing?
2: Oh,
1: big swordy, you
2: want to swim? Sword yeah, swordfish and all Did that. From, thin, and, uh, you know? uh, but I think at the moment, you know, if I can watch everyone else wind it up, if I get to eat it, I'm happy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the, the other end of the boat.
1: Don't go, I'm not touching it. I've,
2: I've never seen him run, run into the cabin so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not,
1: I'm not winding it out. I've done my winding, done my bit. I'll drive Mate, into him. And it's, help
0: uh, so we, we bought a new boat at the end of last year. So sold the house and, and bought ourselves a, a big boat. For our, for our plans. And um, since we bought that boat, so this year, during marlin season, we tagged 16, 16 marlin in, in the, four, uh, the four weeks that we're up there. And uh, everyone got makos, marlin, dolphin fish, all sorts of stuff. I am yet to catch a fish on that boat.
1: <laughs> that's what happens you end up behind the bloody wheel the whole time
0: yep so I'm um, and I've got to be honest I, I sort of like being up top in the fly bridge sitting up there and and yelling orders at everyone and you know it's it's a whole different sort of thing uh I'm definitely no expert in it by any stretch of the imagination but uh it, it's been good mate watching everyone else catch fish and and the things you see from up higher, like I didn't realise how much we miss out on seeing in a trailer boat.
1: Well, you miss tape saying.
0: Oh, when you're up higher and just the the visuals on the water and stuff like that, it's it's unbelievable. So yeah, it's it's I know where you're coming from running up the front of the boat. The other thing is I haven't smelt like fish in I don't know how <laughs> long. Like I'm so clean in that, I don't even have to process nothing. I'm just like, yeah, gill that. Put ice in that. Yep. Yeah. No, nah. Yeah. No, you do do yeah. nah, you're doing. Yep. Yeah. You got it. You're good. Yep. Yeah.
1: Get me a coffee while you're down there and hurry up and put the gear back out.
2: Right. Yep. yep. It's, it's funny because, you know, I'm I'm starting to try and learn, you know, doing, how to cut up all the fish and all that. And um, we got back in from fishing. And, of course, I haven't changed my clothes for the past week or something. Oh, God, he's stuck. <laughs> And, you know, we've all been cutting up bluefin and all that. So we've got blood all over our clothes. I had to change my pants because I split them open and they're covered in blood and all that. And um, we walked into the shop of a fuel station, I think, and I walked in. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's staying three, four meters away from us. That's normal. <laughs> you know? that's, that's
0: social distancing. That's social distancing, Coon. That's that's. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look like a
2: bloody. I'm pretty bro. sure that know. was happening beforehand too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because you you're, you're usually. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, they're all. No
2: going you. know, it's it was, it's funny because you're walking in. You know, your blood. You know, your shirt's covered in blood, oh, You know, deep deep just, deep. you know, every you can smell like. Maybe we're smelling this from 20 metres away. Don't do <laughs> this.
1: I'm innocent. I wasn't part of it. He yeah, was sitting
2: up on the wheel going, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, I know that. This is how you can cut it down there. No, no, no. Down a bit further. There you go. You know, I'm not bothering to come over and help or anything.
0: Uh, awesome, boys. Well, look, I really appreciate you taking your time out tonight and jumping on the show. it been awesome watching you grow up coops with the old man. I've definitely been following your old man for a long time, but seeing you getting involved now and really starting to take the reins on things and, and seeing, you know, you progress has been, has been awesome. But the, the other really good thing is seeing you know, how much you guys are promoting the the family side of the sport. It's not just about an individual thing. And I think a lot of people start to say, yeah, it's an individual sport, but with the fishing that you guys do, chasing big fish, you can't do that stuff, you know, all the time by yourself. And doing it as a family group, you know, fishing keeps the family together. It keeps everyone tight and it's awesome to watch. So really appreciate you guys, what you're doing, especially for the bluefin and, and, you know, the docos that you've got planned and things like that. So from uh, other fishermen out there, well done, keep it up. I look forward to seeing a fair bit more from you guys. And uh, I hope we can touch base again at some stage. We've
1: got to we
0: get... go bloody fishing. That's what we need to do. Get on the water. You need to catch fish. I'm always here.
2: I'm oh, fish. We <laughs> well, like created I said, we've created
1: a monster. We've created a monster. we
2: fish than <laughs> we've never, <as> you know.
0: <laughs> that's, that's all right, mate. We'll have you on the boat anytime. More than welcome. The invite's always there. You guys know that. So, uh, yeah, I look forward to, to catching up with you. And uh, I really appreciate you taking your time out tonight and jumping on the show. Anytime,
1: mate. Anytime.